It's Monday, June 29th, 2020, and welcome to the last episode of Tech Talk for Teachers, episode 237. I'm Tom Grissom. And I'm Newton Key. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the show about teaching and learning with technology. And yes, I did say this is the last episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. Uh, After 237 episodes, I am finally facing retirement here at EIU. So I look forward to switching gears and trying some uh, some new things as a, as I enter a new endeavor. But with us today, uh, I can't think of a better person here to uh, talk about uh, technology and pedagogy and faculty and learning. And we have Dr. Newton Key here. And Newton, can you just uh, let's just kind of summarize some of the things we'll talk about here on this episode? Well, I, I think that in some ways uh, we'll be talking about some of the, the verities of, of pedagogy where, or teaching and learning, whether it's online or not online, collaborating, chunking, that sort of thing, but also about uh, where we've been recently in terms of uh, the response to the pandemic and what we've learned from that and what we can apply to these coming semester and year. Uh, I'm a historian, so we're not prognosticating what will <laughs> happen this, this semester, but we're trying to establish a baseline so everything will work at, going forward. Okay, so with that, sit back, relax, and here goes the last episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. Here we go. With us today for the last podcast of Tech Talk for Teachers, we have Dr. Newton Key, our Director of Faculty Development and Innovation Center here at Eastern Illinois University. And I can't think of a better person to uh, end the Tech Talk for Teachers podcast with, as Newton is charged with a lot of faculty development. And in this day and age, I think that is probably the most critical thing. Uh, feature that we we need to do in higher education or we need to support in higher education because we're only as good as the people that we have to deliver all this. This technology and educational technology, to me, this has always been a support role and enablement role. And uh, I want to welcome Newton for the the last uh, podcast here and thank him for all his support over the years. Newton? Well, I'm happy to be here and uh, just trying to uh, learn a bit more from you in this these final days here. <laughs> yeah, this is the final decompression, I guess. It's starting to get real here for my retirement. So we'll go ahead and begin, just kind of open it up. Uh, this is, in my, in my case, uh, I guess an ending in some ways, but it's also a new beginning for me, and I think that's very much true for higher education uh, across the world right now as we have been turned upside down on our heads due to this COVID-19 situation and a lot of the assumptions and establishments and precedents uh, for you know past past semesters are really out the window and as we look forward to the fall semester there are a lot of plannings and uh, things going on right now a lot of uncertainty and at Newton you're going to certainly be uh, in in the thick of it and uh, the good news is again from my perspective is we are very well situated here at EIU with a strong support structure we have the technology uh, available to us and now it's a matter of coming together as a group collaborating and learning from each other 
Well, the, certainly in terms of planning for the unknown, it is it is is it a bit scary. But I think that in some ways we uh, can build on what we know. We have uh, some of the good building blocks to how how we can do this in the in the future, and the. Uh, Faculty Development Innovation Center, uh, our instructional designers, innovation director, have been working closely with Tom and the other uh, ed tech people in the university. So it was really a uh, last semester we thought was uh, quite a uh, mountain to climb in terms of going immediately to remote learning, and it was. But I, I think that the coming semester or semesters will still have those um, issues and, and, and also opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was certainly a challenge. Uh, the thing that caught me most, most off guard was just the suddenness of it, just like flipping a light switch. I mean, how can you prepare for something like that? But the good news is, once again, going forward, is we have some of the uh, the procedures and structures, and and as I again, I use the word collaboration because this really is going to have to be a team effort. It always has been, but uh, the tools are there to enable us to uh, share. But we also have to realize, uh, I think those of us in the technical support role have had these tools for a very, very long time, and I don't think we've used them to their fullest. Uh, and this past semester kind of put our feet to the fire and you know forced us in many ways to do that and again the good news is we've there, there's there's hardly a situation that I can uh, that I can think of that we can't do something in an online environment with the exception of some of the uh, online interaction and, and largely that can be we can find substitutes for that but the lab work is probably going to be the most challenging where you need specialized equipment but even in that realm, many of the corporate industries and things today have these tools available online, and perhaps higher ed hasn't adapted as quickly uh, to some of that. So again, there's some opportunities uh, to explore some, some new types of lab work and field work out there as well. Yeah, at the, at the margins of what you need to do, whether it's specialized equipment or something, there's still a a tech solution for those, but the the money and startup issues are, are a little bit prohibitive. That said, therefore, the majority of these things, we can um, sort of use the combination of face-to-face -face with social distancing, synchronous online in a limited sense, and the asynchronous online, which we've been pushing for all online courses for quite some time. Uh, and <clears throat> you know that I'm a big proponent of active learning and even an active learning classroom that we're trying to get to try to sort of modernize what the physical classroom looks like. And I still, still am pushing for that. We have some money for remodeling. We've gotten a grant to do that in a room in the, in the library. But active learning can certainly happen in those other modes as well. And, and thinking that through is perhaps the, the most important um, mm -hmm. hurdle to uh, think about. The other thing I would say is just in terms of what you were saying, in terms of collaboration, it takes a village, is that um, as much as possible, we need to, if if we're going into this synchronous, asynchronous, 
live streaming a classroom just because of the size of classes and the social distancing. Uh, I hope that we continue to think in terms of getting support out to the faculty. Mm -hmm. Just saying that you're on your own and you're your own videographer and you're also having class different because everybody's spaced out. That's a lot of an ask for a faculty member who's trying to also figure out, okay, how do I get across the information right. that I'm trying to get? So uh, I'm going to be pushing for support, whether that is graduate assistance, whether that is certain rooms that EdTech is focused on, uh, that the ISS are focused on, um, whether that's pushing to some of your videos that you already have this stuff out there. But I will say that if you're just doing that, live streaming for the first year that is just a huge well it, it is a big ask yeah. but having said that there are people that have already figured it out yes so the learning curve that i had to go through myself um, it, it was a very large learning curve but what it took me five hours to figure out i can show a faculty member in five minutes so i take that off the table and the last two videos that we did for our ITC TechShare YouTube channel, I don't know if you got a chance. Did you happen to see those? Did you watch the one that I did a preview of? I, I only saw the preview, okay. but yes. Okay. The, the, the one that I did, I had essentially like a vlog style where I had the, the, the camera in walking in and, show, and showed the uh, document camera. Because there's, there's two things going on. After we did the... Uh, the the one uh, the, the what I was going to say was the last video, uh, Newton had asked me to do one on our document cameras in the classrooms and, and how to use those to either live stream through a Microsoft Teams meeting or we could do a live stream in Microsoft Stream a number of different ways to do it, but how to actually use a, a, a new piece of equipment which we're trying to get in a large number of our classrooms. We're fortunate that all of our College of Ed classrooms have a document camera, but essentially it's more than a document camera. It's essentially a webcam and microphone that gives us the, the video and audio capability. So, you know, the, we always hear about the, the myth of the 100-year-old classroom. If somebody would walk into one of our classrooms, they'd feel right at home 100 years ago. Well, I challenge anybody, you know, to do that here at EIU because we literally can stream uh, out to the world in any, one of, in any one of our classrooms equipped with these document cameras. But anyway, uh, showing or going over the conceptual what a faculty member needs to do is one thing versus seeing the physical pieces of it coming together. And I kind of had the cart before the horse in that I was explaining this is what you can do with a document camera with before I actually said, okay, here's the document camera, here's the articulating arm, you fold it up, this is what you can do, that physical presence that you need. Because I don't think in, in watching that one video, like I said, I, th I thought it would be the last one, but in watching that one video, it was missing that piece. So I had to rethink that. And that, that we find this all the time in teaching. You know, we, we start quizzing our students and, and, and start uh, testing their prerequisite knowledge. And we take for granted some things that, oh, well, you should, you know, should know that. That's why we have prerequisite classes, because you've covered this material and we're trying to get everybody up to speed for a base knowledge. Because if you don't have that knowledge, you don't have the building blocks to go forward. And a lot of our breath is wasted if you don't have those prerequisite building blocks. And uh, I mean, that's, again, just the challenge of teaching when you have 30 individual students out there. Everybody is all over the place, and we can't guarantee where, the, where they're at. So that's why we're constantly going through there and, you know, eliciting feedback and having students elaborate on content. 
those are all little tricks that we teachers use uh, to gauge student understanding. And we often make the mental leap that our students may know more than what they do. And then we give that quiz on Friday and suddenly find out, well, maybe they didn't quite get that concept that I taught so well earlier in the week. And I think that applies also to us faculty, right? That we, these building blocks are necessary. Um, at one point, uh, we had Tom Tobin in here several mm -hmm. years ago, and he was talking about our LMS, D2L Brightspace, and here's a hundred neat tricks. And at the end, he says, try using three. Yeah. Right? That you can't, well, this is your walk before you run thing, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and that's my only fear if, like, we're going to a new social distance classroom with live streaming at another group at the same time. These are things many people haven't done before. And that's why I'm, I'm looking to see what kind of help can we give them because that I would... I would say, okay, practice either in a social distancing room or try doing a class synchronous online briefly, see what that's like. But now we're asking everybody to do all these at once. So that's, that's why I still, uh, the potential is, is, is good. The doing it all at once is what. Right. But me. don't forget about the students there because those students are, are, you know, particularly in higher education, they come with a wealth of experience and, you know, their, their own experiences. But again, particularly in Microsoft Teams, you have that back channel conversation that can take care of so much of that load that's on a teacher and the students help themselves, which is we call peer instruction, which we've known for years. Uh, you know, that's one of the most effective ways for students to learn is from their peers because they are building those, you know, mental building blocks. And the expert teacher sometimes forgets how to communicate how those building blocks were originally created because they've made that mental leap and you know understand the subject area so i am a firm believer in the in that peer instruction and taking the load off uh, the faculty member or the teacher and having the students you know do, do some of that that work and again there's a lot of different strategies that we can that we can use out there but i think this is largely in this you know, in this COVID-19 social distance, we are going, I mean, we really don't have too much of a choice. The technology is a huge piece of it. Whereas I think before, uh, those faculty that didn't want to deal with it just said, well, that's kind of optional. Well, in today's world, it's not so optional anymore. I won't, I won't say that it's mandatory because you, you can do a lot of things, but it, uh, it, it intermediates so much of the, of the communication and things that we have that we're evolving into this next. And again, I will say that this is nothing new. I mean, there are people out there that have literally been doing this for two, three, four decades. So I think we need to rely upon, uh, rely upon some of those. There's a lot of different models out there. But like anything else, when you learn something yourself for the first time, you have to internalize it, and nobody else can do that for you. You have to kind of go through some of those growing pains uh, to get to that level of competency. But again, the good news there is rely upon our support network here at EIU because we have experts all over the place. You know, here in the College of Education on pedagogy, there's a lot of different things that we can offer, you know, the average faculty member out there outside the College of Ed. And then uh, with, with all the technology and things, there's a, a great support structure between the FDIC and ITS and the ISSs um, 
I threw out a lot of acronyms there. I'm sorry, non-EIU <laughs> people. Information Technology Services and Instructional Support Specialists is what they'll stand for. So we do have, you know, I guess looking forward, I, I'm optimistic. And the things that I started way back many decades ago are coming to fruition. And the good news is it just gets easier and easier. Things that I can now do, uh, just like I mentioned, being able to uh, – to record for asynchronous viewing for other students. That is so easy to do. If you can hit click the record button and click stop, you know, you know, you have an asynchronous class. It's all done behind the scenes in Microsoft Teams. I, I think your your point of of, of people like you and, and, and the rest of the instructional support specialists that, that have this knowledge, uh, that rather than think of this as ed tech as this some sort of disrupting everything is completely new is like well these have been some of these have been slow accretions over time and the knowledge has increased increased over time it seems a bit disruptive because we didn't usually have to deal with a pandemic at the same time <laughs> but uh it 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 can be and part of what we've done before uh i think i'm i learned back in the dark ages before there, there were these things, uh, and I learned a lot. So, so it's not like education has, has been broken and then is being fixed, right? right? But to respond to students with different needs, students in different paths, students in different places, uh, these tools can really uh, help us move towards well, also expanding education. We, when when I went to, to to university, it was, well, it was post the GI Bill and stuff, and obviously that was that first wave after World War II. It expanded, and then in the 60s and 70s, it expanded even more, and yet that was still 50 percent or more of the the the. the Potential students were not being reached in higher education. So that has expanded some more. And now you have people on, well, they're adult learners, whatever they are, they're at different stages. And um, I think some of this technology is helping us to um, keep what is good from old teaching and moving in into mm -hmm. these, these, these new uh, environments. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go ahead and wrap it up. I guess any last thoughts going into going into the fall? Um, yeah, could you stay on for a year or two more? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that uh, you have laid the groundwork. Uh, some of your other, whether it's the podcast or the, the YouTube videos, I really actually liked doing the YouTube with Microsoft Teams you were showing me how the classrooms worked, but actually I was thinking, oh, I should be bringing in my colleagues at other universities into my classes and so mm -hmm. on. We, we sometimes get so protective and a little bit fearful that you know, my type style of teaching won't be right for somebody else, but bringing in as many people as you can that, that fit what you're working on, I think is, is, is good. And the, yeah, the, the the teams, the technology is there now. Yeah, and it's so so easy to do. And on your last point about broadening the access to education, the accessibility features, I'll put my last plug in here for that. Uh, having the ability to do subtitles, closed captioning, uh, PowerPoint uh, presentations live is now 
out there for every single faculty, staff, and student. You can go out and do a live presentation, share either a QR code or a uh, link to your students, and the students would be seeing this presentation and the students can control that presentation and choose their subtitle language. So if they were a non-native uh, English speaker, they could choose Japanese or Spanish, whatever their native language. And the words, whoever is presenting that PowerPoint, is automatically in real time being translated into uh, into their into their native language, which I just think is just you know it's the old Star Trek communicator you know back back from the 60s uh, that we now have that capability available to every single person here at EIU. That's just absolutely amazing. So uh, I w I want to uh, go ahead and wrap up this uh, last portion here and thank all of the Tech Talk for Teachers listeners over the years. Uh, it's it's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, doing something like this, this this is one of those podcasting's been around, I think, officially since 2005, although we had internet radio way before that and, you know, all kinds of different communication mediums. But just because we have the technology, it's what we do with the technology. And, you know, sometimes uh, it's been challenging. I am very proud that I have done a podcast since 2007, every single month consecutively since 2007. You know, I've done uh, hundreds of different podcasts, help students. We've done podcasts with third graders. It's a very low threshold technology. If you can, like I said, hit record and talk, you're ready to do a podcast. So if you've not explored this medium, the audio podcast, I encourage you to do so. Another reason that I started out with it, uh, as our faculty are finding out, video is much more challenging than doing an audio podcast. People are also very self-conscious about what they look like, so this kind of takes away you know, that little fear factor there. But when you put yourself on video, we are very, very self-critical of ourselves. And I guess you know that's something that I've had to get over. I think everybody that produces and presents publicly have had their fair share of criticisms, and some rightly so, some not. But uh, you know, it takes courage to be a teacher. That's there's a book out there on that. Being you know having the courage to 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 be an educator. And uh, I guess parting parting words here on the on the last uh, Tech Talk for Teachers podcast is, you know, go out and try these things. Uh, try them just yourselves. It takes practice. You just can't go out there and expect to be an expert overnight, but you do get better. And if you go back and look, and there's an archive dozens of years of some of my videos and some of the podcasts, I was pretty bad uh, whenever I started out. But I remember doing things in the 80s and having a VHS video recorder and doing the, and it's just so much easier today. So I leave very optimistic. Um, There'll be some things I'm sure there's a lot of ed tech left in my, in my blood, so I am sure I'll be keep on uh, keep on learning uh, as as I say uh, a lot of new things. So once again, thank you very much, and I want to thank Newton Key, um, our director here of faculty development, for his support over the years. And uh, we'll go ahead and sign off here. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. My technology pick of the week this week is the entire Office 365 or Microsoft 365 suite of tools. Uh, in 2014, Eastern Illinois University went uh, with Office 365, and I recognized very early on that this uh, cloud-based solution was going to have a large impact, uh, and it certainly has over the years. 
Recently, the uh, amount and pace of development has rapidly increased. Those listeners over the years know that I'm a huge OneNote fan, and the reason that I've been a OneNote fan is that it's easily accessible. It's something that you build upon. It's like starting with a blank sheet of paper, literally, in this case, a digital sheet of paper. But you can build anything, and you can share it with anyone, anytime, anywhere. And that's, that's a tremendous, powerful concept uh, to do. Since that time, in recent, in the last three years, in 2017, we started with some of our first Microsoft Teams, and that has certainly evolved over the years. And in this time of this remote collaboration, it's just like the perfect tool. And the thing I like about it most here at Eastern Illinois University is every single faculty, staff, and student is just a click away from either a text chat, an audio call, or a video call with anyone else at EIU. And those can be, uh, if, if uh, the people so choose, can be recorded and hosted to Microsoft Stream, which is in turn automatically subtitled with captions, which means that those videos are searchable. So I've used this example in the past, but if you're a math teacher uh, teaching you know, trigonometry and the, the, the teacher's going over you know, sine, cosine, and tangent, you can type in the word tangent and it will find that point in the video that the teacher mentioned tangent and you jump immediately there. What a powerful technology and it's you know available to everyone uh, here at EIU. The accessibility features with the live captions and things I, I think is something that uh, EIU will use here going into the fall. Uh, for those that can cannot participate in a face-to-face -face due to the social distancing and breaking up the classrooms and things, there's going to be some creative ways out there. And the good news, uh, once again, is we're well-equipped. Uh, having the technology is one thing. Knowing how to use it is a second thing. And knowing how to teach with it is, uh, is even more challenging. So that's my pick, the Office 365 suite of tools. So Newton, we'll leave it uh, to you with, uh, I think you have an interesting little twist on how to incorporate some technology. I guess what I'm doing this time is, is not so much a tech pick, but a, a pedagogy pick. Uh, <clears throat> and this is, I uh, recently was part of a group that uh, a bunch of sociologists and so on, and, and people that can map things on computers did a piece on the semantic structure of the conformist and dissenting Bible. That in itself is very complex. We won an award, but this is high-level stuff. Even though I co-wrote it, I couldn't tell you the algorithms of how we did the mapping. However, um, we recently had somebody do a uh, video of this, and here's the pedagogy of this. It's a nice video in terms of it's brief, and I'm as we work on our online courses, that chunking of keeping all our presentations very brief. Brief is important, and it starts with a complex. Even I mean, it starts with the simple and moves to the complex. Even with the word semantic, which we might not know, it has it sort of shows the semantic structure, and then it says or the meaning, and then the word semantic flips to meaning. It's like okay, I'm following you now, and then it says words are important in context, and we've always had. Uh, Bible indices with all, and it starts with something from the 16th century, here's all the times the use of this word, and so on. But those are stripped out of context. So it shows that what we did was look at five verse groups and go through it like a, a musical score, as it says. But to even explain that better, it said, take the word red. 
and there it showed it in red with yellow in yellow and green and green and says we see it in that context and we say oh it's just the color palette but if you put red with the word brigade or the word communist and it had a guy waving a flag behind the red it uh, it has quite a different meaning and I was pleased to I've never been had an article of mine made into a video before so I was pleased with that but I also thought about my own teaching of like Yes, you need to think. It's it's hard to keep these things short. It's hard to uh, get your ideas across. But to start with, that seemed like I've memorized that, and I just mm -hmm. saw you know the one time right, and mm -hmm. it, and, and it, it it I think that that could help our students, and they can go back to it. But uh, but I so the pedagogy. I'll put that link in there, not to toot our horn so much as to say okay keep in thinking in terms of simple idea so they understand that now they're ready to understand the more complex mm -hmm. thing that you okay. did uh, and so on okay we'll be sure and put that link in the show notes uh, and I, I think that's important to to go out there and share with our colleagues some of the work because uh, you know, as, as I'm leaving here, I, I talk to a number of faculty, and I, I have interest beyond ed tech, and uh, people, you know, people like to know a little bit more about yourselves, or about yourself, and uh, seeing other people's work can be inspiring to say, well, I could do something like that. And another thing, again, I'm, I've just got hundreds of ideas here floating in my head. But uh, another parting thought that uh, is, is kind of neat and maybe, maybe of some use going into the, uh, going into the uh, fall semester is I've seen people go out and make little video trailers essentially of their syllabus or of their course going in. And it particularly works well in social studies, history, and those types of things. Uh, that uh, just kind of here's a little five-minute video, and I don't think I would go much beyond five minutes, three minutes, whatever it might be, but here's just a little snippet and kind of whet the appetite of students. These are some of the things we're going to talk about, some of the things we're going to learn over the course of the semester. And, again, basic pedagogy 101, you have to motivate the learner. Why am I learning this type question? You'll answer that why question. And just so many, so many different ways. So uh, once again, Newton, thank you. And I really like that pedagogy pick of the week. So thank you. Thank you. That wraps it up for episode 237 of Tech Talk for Teachers. For show notes, please visit the EIU Instructional Technology Center website at eiu.edu slash itc. And once again, I want to thank everyone. Uh, this will be the final episode here, so uh, I'll probably be doing some other things in the EdTech world. You can always follow me on Twitter, uh, you know, social media and things. So uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation in, in some other capacity. So until next time, this is Tom Grissom. This is Newton Key. Keep, Keep on, on learning. learning.